welcome to I'll Marry You, a podcast with me, Olivia Coleman, full of tips and tricks from the UK wedding scene, interviews with industry experts, and a whole lot of oversharing. Welcome to the OC, bitch. <laughs> Do you get it? Do you get it? Because it's like OC, Orange County, Olivia Coleman, OC. Do you get it? Do you get it? Did you watch the OC? Are you in your 30s? Probably not. Am I old? Catch up. 4OD. OC. Welcome to the OC, bitch. <laughs> Shall we begin? Welcome. Welcome. Oh my goodness. Welcome to season two of I'll Marry You, the podcast with me, Olivia Coleman. I cannot believe we are already on season two. We're already on the cusp of something fresh and exciting. It's been the most incredible summer. Well, as you know, I like to refer to it as the season, <laughs> the wedding season. I cannot tell you. It's been bloody months since we've spoken, hasn't it? And so much has gone on. It's just been non-stop, back-to-back fun and memories and love and romance and amazingness. And I've just had an absolute bloody ball. So I just wanted to dive straight in and talk to you about it all. For the season coming up, we've got the most incredible people who have requested. They've they've approached me. They've slid into my DMs and asked me to interview them. What's wrong with these people? Do they think I think they think I'm professional, you know? I think they think this is a real legit podcast. <laughs> Fools. But I'll take it. So we've got the most incredible interviews coming up which I'm really, really excited about, and like such a variety as well of people and and their stories and their backgrounds and the expertise that they offer in the wedding industry. Like, there are people, there's a job for everyone, isn't there? This is the weirdest thing. This is, I was thinking about this the other day, like someone's, when I was younger, I used to think that it would be someone's job to wipe the queen's bum. Why? I don't know. I just don't, I never could see the queen. <laughs> I could just thought she's the Queen of England, like she's just not going to wipe her own bum. She probably did in hindsight. She probably had some serious toilet tissue, like some sort of silk handkerchief situation. But she probably did in hindsight wipe her own bum. But my point is this. This is my point. My point is, is that there is a job for everyone. And you would be amazed at the things that people do for money. <laughs> In weddings especially, it's like the weirdest thing. You're like, really? Someone does that? I could have that at my wedding or I could do that or someone someone charges money for that? It's bizarre and I love it. So we've got some incredible people lined up, but also I want to hear from you. I really want to get you all involved in this season. So if you have any ideas of people that you've worked with or worked for or that you've had maybe at your wedding, if you think that the service that they offer <laughs> oy oy, is interesting, then please, please get in touch. And do you know what? In general, just DM me. We have a fabulous new segment. Is that the right word? It makes me think of chocolate orange because that's just where my fatty little brain goes. <laughs> we have a fabulous new segment for this season called RSVP. Now, I was going to try and be super prepared and professional and have a jingle ready for you. And when I say I, I mean Drew, my producer, producer Drew. Um, <laughs> but we haven't. Um, because he he thought that I would sing it. I mean, 
talk about blowing smoke up my ass. He thought that I would sing the jingle and I thought that he would get someone professional to sing the jingle. So a jingle we do not have, alas. So this is my this is my first port of call. This is my first request to you, my dear darling listeners. I want you to submit to me a jingle for the segment entitled RSVP. And it is going to be a segment at the end of each show where we will answer listeners' questions and we will reveal listeners' messages and their stories and all of that jazz. So really, really cool, really exciting stuff because I really want to get you more involved in this season. So RSVP, hit me with some voice notes. I want some excellent jingles because all all I can come up with is, you know, like, oh, (laughs) RSVP. So it's not really working. I don't know. I I need to get better, don't I? (sighs) So that's that. Okay, all right. I'll be be useful. I'll be helpful. Be honest, you've missed me talking absolute bollocks for the last few months, haven't you? So I'll I'll try and be useful. It's episode one. Let's try and start on a good point, shall we? So I've got some stories to tell you. It's story time. I want to tell you today about the most manic, four days of my career so far. So back in the summer, I had basically, I had three weddings in a row, which is a lot. In theory, maybe not in practice, no, in practice, in theory, um, I do all the prep before. Obviously, I've written the ceremony. I've spoken to the couple. I've spoken to the venue. I've even... If I do have weddings back to back, I have prepared what I'm going to wear, make sure that's ironed, sorted out childcare for my husband, sorry for Lola. Um, And it's all prepared. So in theory, on the day, I just sort of rock up, do my thing and leave. So the idea of having weddings back to back shouldn't seem so daunting. But actually, just the travelling to and from the venue and the emotional... um, preparation that is required and the emotional performance takes it out of you it really does you know I have such empathy for professional performers on the West End stages I feel them I really do so actually having three weddings back to back is quite intense and also it's really important to me that each couple on their wedding day is my entire focus I want to genuinely feel and I want them to feel it from me that their wedding is the only wedding that is happening on that day on planet Earth. And they are the the most important people to me and to all of their guests because that is exactly how the couple should feel. So to to have that focus and, and not get confused. I mean, God, could you imagine if I if I said the wrong name or if I sort of got my names mixed up or something? Or, the, or if, imagine if I got the bloody places mixed up and I ended up going to the wrong venue on the wrong day oh god don't it's like literally gives me nightmares so I'm stupidly even though it's daunting and even though I shouldn't do it I do it I've done it every year I put weddings back to back the thing is in the season you know in the season that's that's the busiest time and you know me I don't like to say no to people do I like I'm a people pleaser I was going to say a people pleasure but that sounds like something you only get if you dial nine um and like I said, there's a job for everyone, isn't there? Um, so I don't say no. So I say yes, and then I and then I end up in the in these pickles. Um, something that I have learned from this 
weekend that I'm, I'm going to tell you about, something that I've learned I must do in future, and I have started to do it, is um, when people inquire with me, I must ask them where their venue is, and then I must look it up because I'm not very good at geography. Right. And I don't look at maps, snooze. So I just go, oh, that's a nice venue. Yeah, I'm free on that day. I can do it. I don't look at the logistics um, before taking the inquiry and accepting the booking. And I've learned, I have learned now that that is something I absolutely have to do. Because of this weekend, I ended up, because I said yes, I ended up on a Thursday in Wales, a Saturday in Devon, and a Sunday in Brussels. Brussels, Belgium. Work that one out. I know, I know. Now, I know when I took the wedding in Brussels, I knew that that was abroad. I'm also a total idiot. But I just thought, oh, it'll be fine, it'll be doable, it'll be fine. And then I realised it, it really wasn't. And so I actually went back to my couple, and Sophie and Chris, who were getting married in, in Brussels, and I went back to them with months to go. And I said, look, I, I don't think I can do it. I'm so, so sorry. I was devastated because... I love them like I love all my couples and I wanted to do it and I wanted to be a part of it. And it was just, you know, in terms of sort of professionally speaking, it would be the most incredible wedding in the most incredible venue in Brussels, for heaven's sake. Of course I wanted to be there. But I I rang them months ago and I said, look, I just don't think I can do it logistically. I've got this wedding in Devon on the Saturday and to get to you there, I've, I, I spent weeks looking at flights and the Eurostar and driving myself. At one point, okay, I'm going to sound like a twat now, but I know a man with a plane. <laughs> and at one point, I was so close to phoning this man and saying, thoughts on flying me to Brussels. <laughs> I was like, get a grip, Olivia. Who on earth do you think you are? Grow up. So I didn't do that. But I literally was trying every avenue to make it feasible. So I spoke to the couple and they were like, we, you have to do it. We, we only want you to do it. You have to be there. Please, please, please. They worked it out. We worked it out together so that if they had their ceremony later on in the day, which is quite common with abroad weddings anyway, that I could make it there. So that's what they did. So I was like, yeah, sod it. Let's do it. It's going to be exhausting. Let's do it. So that was my itinerary. <clears throat> so on the Thursday... I had my wedding at Fairy Hill um, in Swansea, about half an hour from Swansea. So I was going to drive to that one, take about two hours, and then I had a terrible night's sleep and I thought, you know what, I don't really want to fall asleep behind the wheel, so I'm going to get the train. So I got the train to Swansea. Wales is a funny place, isn't it? Um, and then I got a taxi to the venue um, and I was marrying Naomi and Michael. And I knew, I'd met them already before, obviously, in their planning meeting. Very, very attractive. Like, not in like a average looking, but they're nice people kind of way. Like, they're, I mean, they are nice people, but they are just really attractive. Like, you'd look at them on the street and be like, that's an attractive couple. You know, just to give you context, he is essentially a personal trainer in the army. It's two of my favourite things. So I was excited by that one because they are so lovely, so wonderful, but also very attractive. And you know me, I don't like an ugly wedding. 
So <laughs> I got there and Fairy Hill is a beautiful venue. It's in the Gower. So if you don't know the Gower, the Gower is an area in Wales on the water and it is absolutely beautiful. I think people, when they have like staycations, they think that they have to go to Cornwall or Devon or whatever. And it's pricey, isn't it? Whereas actually, if you go to Wales, some of the Gower, some of the Gower, some of Wales is absolutely stunning. And it's a lot less money than than going down south. So we, so I got there and it was this beautiful, I think it used to be a hotel, but now it's purely a wedding venue and it's owned by a company that have, I think, three venues in in, in and around the Gower. I'm going to stop saying it. And it's sort of an old country house, but they've got the most beautiful gardens. And then they've got this new bit that I'm selling it, aren't I? I've been so bad as a travel agent or estate agent. They've got this new bit they built on, which is like this curved building and it's all glass and it just looks, it's up high. So it just looks out into the trees and it is so beautiful. It's really unique, this venue. It's got rooms and it's just, it's quite different and I like it a lot. Um, So I got there and I was sort of doing my usual, you know, walking around, getting content, you know, getting content from an influencer. <laughs> I said that to someone the other day, but I I, missed, I mumbled my words and I think he thinks I have influenza. So I got there and I was taking my content and then I found the groom. Oh, goodness. Black tie weddings. I tell you, they really are the thing. And so this gorgeous man in his black tie, and I'm all of a dither, and he's so lovely Nine times out of ten with grooms, they're like, no, I'm not nervous. No, I'm not nervous. No, 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 no. It's cool. It's cool. He was openly shitting himself. Like, he was so nervous. He's got a very strong Welsh accent. So you look at him and this gorgeous man, and then suddenly he goes, I'm flapping. I'm flapping, I am, Olivia. I'm flapping. I I am flapping. And he was just wandering around with all his other army mates and all in black tat. It really was a treat for the eyes. And they're all just walking around. He's drinking a beer. I was like, bloody hell, down, have a whiskey or something stronger if you're nervous. I, I'm, I am totally flapping, Olivia. I am absolutely a mess, I am. And I was, he's so sweet. And then all his guests arrive and the ceremony's outside in like, I suppose you'd call it a secret garden. So then Naomi comes and actually, I don't know what it was, you know, if I'm honest, as she walked down the aisle, I felt really, like, really emotional. Like, it hit me. Like, you know that all my couples mean the world to me. And in that moment, they are the only couple in the world to me. And I think they all look beautiful. And so I don't know what it was in particular. Maybe it was the song. She was walking down. I mean, she did look absolutely stunning. Her dress was lace and it was, she was completely covered. It was a high neck, long-sleeved quite a slimming silhouette and she had a veil and it was over her face and that's quite rare these days. I enjoy it because I think it adds a little drama. Um, So maybe it was the combination of the outfit and the veil and the music and the fact that they're just so lovely and he was so nervous. Um, He kept sort of doing that nervous thing that quite often people do when they sort of talk a bit too much, you know. I get really good chat when I'm waiting at the altar with the with the grooms or the brides. It's it's um <laughs> that's when the nerves come out and they're like, How was your journey? 
you know. Um, and it was it was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. And I met, um, so the ceremony went really, really well. They had an incredible violinist, violinist. And it was wonderful. And the team there were brilliant. And I met someone in the reception afterwards, <laughs> not a suitor, you flirty little minx. Um, I met um, an industry expert, a supplier, who I'm going to interview because I just think she was brill. Basically, I don't want to ruin it because she's going to be on a future episode, but she owns a dog sitting company and she records the weddings from the perspective of the dog. I'm going to leave that with you. It's very cool because I feel like dog people are dog people. Do you know what I mean? Are you a dog person? If you're a dog person, you want to you want to include them, right? Because they're like your baby. So I get it. So she was really interesting. So that was brilliant. So I, I didn't stick around too long. I hot-tailed it back to Swansea. But you know, what? I must tell you, right? So this taxi man who took me back to the station, I, I could have, I could have left James for him. He was absolutely delightful, probably in his seventies. But we were chit-chatting the whole way because I'm fat person. <laughs> you don't want to sit next to me on an aeroplane because he will get my entire life story before we've taken off. Um, but we were chit-chatting the whole way, the whole half an hour trip to the Swansea train station. And he was so wonderful. And it turns out he used to own hotels near where my parents live. He used to live in Barcelona, so did I. Um, and we were just, I mean, I could tell you all of his children's names and their occupations. And then as, as we got to the station, we just had a really lovely chat. He was a really lovely man. And we got to the station and, and he said, oh, he said, I've had a, I've had a lovely um, trip with you, Olivia. That's you really, what a wonderful conversation we've had. I've really enjoyed myself. Thank you. I don't know if I can do an accent. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Don't forget me when your kids get married, will you, eh? He was like, what's your full name? How would I find you? I feel like I sound like Postman Pat. He's Welsh, isn't he? Um, and I said, oh, well, you'll find me because my full name's Olivia Coleman. <gasps> I've just had the Olivia Coleman in my cap. Yes, you have. I tell you, it, he was an absolute delight. Got home and uh, the next day woke up and set off for Devon because that was the, the Saturday wedding. Um, absolutely bloody exhausted. Literally got stuck in traffic the moment that I left the house. Literally within a mile of leaving the house, I was stuck in traffic for half an hour. Now, again, because I don't forward plan these things, um, I, I didn't anticipate the traffic being quite so bad. But of course, it was the Friday of the August bank holiday. So everyone was going to bloody Devon, weren't they? Should have been going to the Gower, shouldn't they? But they weren't, they were going to Devon because that's what people do. So I got stuck in traffic. It took me over four hours to get to my hotel, which was um, in near Totnes. Really, really cute, um, like pub slash hotel, pub with rooms. Very higgledy-piggledy. I'll show you some pictures on, on the old gram. Um, it literally got in before I even went up to my room. I went straight to the bar and had a glass of something, didn't I? Um, and then I got settled and then I went downstairs and had supper on my own. Do you do that? I find people, even in this day and age, I think people do it more. People eat on their own a lot more. I still find it slightly odd, um, not uncomfortable. I am getting better at it. But when I am away with work, I, I don't know. I do, I do, I don't take a book, but I do have my phone or I have my notepad. I was making notes whilst I was eating. Um, also... Do people judge me for drinking on my own? 
what do you reckon? It was a Friday night, do you know what I mean? Like three Chardonnays, what of it? And a hefty burger. Had a wonderful night's sleep and then woke up the next morning, got ready for the wedding, Amy and John. They were getting married at, I can't say it, which is awful, Hulls and, Hulls and Harry, Hulls and Harry House. So their wedding, again, this is what's so brilliant, is every wedding is totally different. Their wedding was at this venue that is a lot more like a really nice house that you would rent for a long weekend rather than a wedding venue. I think they do only a very limited number of weddings a year there, but it's um, got most incredible views looking over Totnes and it's this gorgeous, great big white country manor house and they've got gardens and they've got a tennis court and so the majority of the guests were staying on site the couple themselves um weren't from there they were from london so they traveled down the night before now this was an interesting one because they wanted to get legally married and this is something i'm going to talk about in more detail in a future episode but they wanted to get legally married on the day and so what they did upon my suggestion see i can be helpful when i want to be is they had the registrar arrive earlier before the guests and they went off into the room of the venue that was licensed and they just did the legal bit then and it took like 15 minutes and then I arrived actually as the registrars were leaving. So they did a first look and on the stairwell, which was lovely, and then they had the legal ceremony, which was the bare minimum, and then they came out and they were having drinks and photos and things. And then my ceremony started. So it was super relaxed, but it was still, you know, he was wearing a gorgeous suit and she looked positively regal, if I'm honest. A very gorgeous couple, both doctors. And sort of maybe 50, 60 guests. So because of that, because she was around and they were both mingling with their guests before my wedding ceremony it did instantly have a really relaxed feel. The weather was incredibly unpredictable. The ceremony was all set up outside. It started to pour it down just before we were due to start. And then it stopped. So they sent ushers out with um, tea towels and were wiping all the chairs and everything. We managed to do it outside, which was such a relief because they re that was really important to them and the views were incredible and it would have been quite squeezed inside. So we had that ceremony and that was gorgeous I really it was really special to me for various reasons and then they wanted me to stay for a little bit obviously of course they did of course they did but I couldn't I couldn't I had to rush to Brussels I had to rush to Belgium so I drove home four hours got home gave Lola a bath put her to bed set my alarm for 3am didn't I three in the bloody am on a Sunday morning that's God's day do you know what God does he rests I mean, sure, he built the world, but then he rested afterward, didn't he? However, not on this Sunday. Set my alarm for 3am, woke up, had the worst hair you could possibly imagine. and did a reel of it. I'll share it to the gram again. I look like Rod Stewart after a night out. And Rod Stewart's had many a night out, hasn't he? Let's be honest. I got a taxi to the bus station. I got the 4am bus to London, Victoria. I then walked to the Tube and then I got the Tube to Ings Cross and then I got on the Eurostar to Brussels. 
And that was a lot. And it was exhausting. Do you know what, though? I did feel very jet set. And like, even though it was a Sunday, God, it was busy. Even though it was a Sunday, though, I did feel very businessy. You know, I got my laptop out so that people looked at me and thought, oh, hello, businesswoman. And I got on the Eurostar. And so I was in Brussels by 10 a.m. And then I had to get the train from Brussels to Namur. I know this is going to sound dark, right? But I things weren't in English in Brussels. <laughs> it totally threw me. Isn't that awful? I mean, maybe it's just me, but I think people nowadays, because so much of the world speaks English and has signs in English and everything else, you you kind of expect it, which is awful. It's really lazy, I think. But actually, I was surprised that nothing in that train station, and considering it was a Eurostar train station, nothing was in English. So I was like, don't panic, you know, don't get in a flap. We'll flap in. I wasn't flapping, all right? I was all right. And so I found the information. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. This is my train. This is my platform. Again, very jet set. I felt very strong, independent woman-y. Got on the train, got to my hotel, wouldn't let me in. That's cool. Thanks for that, Belgium. So I couldn't get in. So I phoned the wedding planner of the Brussels wedding. Do I sound fancy? Hopped in a cab. The world's most expensive taxi, I must tell you, got to the venue. Now, this is a chateau. This is a chateau, people. And not like a DIY SOS um, escape to the chateau kind of chateau. This is this is fully done out. This is fully kitted out. This is a real live Belgique chateau. That's why I did the whole ceremony in the accent. Oh, bonjour and welcome to your wedding. <laughs> I've actually been to Belgium a few times and that's how they speak. Et bonjour. They speak French, I think. Or Flemish. I've had many languages. People in Belgium, very clever. So I got to the venue and actually the timing did work out because they were having a later ceremony and I got there with two hours to spare, which was brilliant. And it was the most beautiful place. But yet again, the weather was a bloody nightmare. They also desperate to have the ceremony outside because it was out on sort of the gravel driveway with the chateau in the background and the lake. Yes, you heard right. The lake in the front. It was just absolutely stunning. And so it was really touch and go. Now, between you and I, the wedding planner wanted to make the decision as soon as possible, which I get. Like, she's got a lot of plates to juggle and she needed to know what was going on. But the bride was so desperate to have it outside and it was very, everyone was looking on their phones at the apps that tell you when the sky is going to be blue and all that bollocks. And it was it was getting quite tense because the bride was so desperate to have it outside and the wedding planner was like, we have to make the call now with over an hour to go and it was all getting very tense. So, you know, I rock in, don't I? And <laughs> try and lighten the mood. I'm like, yeah, I'm here, bonjour, Belgium. <laughs> and the bride's parents were very sophisticated and very elegant sort of looked at me. Who is who is this? Who is this British pig? So luckily we managed to sort of disappear, dissipate, dissipate the tension. And I then got ready in the room where the bridesmaids were getting ready, which it did feel a bit odd, I must tell you, because even though I like to pretend I'm very much in the wedding party, and I quite often like to match my outfits to the bridesmaids, I'm not. So I am still a supplier. I'm aware of this. So I, it did feel a bit strange sort of getting... And I was... I just... You know, I'd been up since 3am. I'd come straight off the Eurostar, straight off the train. 
I needed, I needed to freshen up. So I looked an absolute bloody mess, if I'm honest. So I had to have a slut wash, as I call it. Do you call it that? When you, when you have a wash in the sink, we call it a slut wash. So classy. And then do my hair and makeup and everything else and get ready and transform. And then everyone started arriving. A lot of them came on a, on a bus, so they all arrived together, which is so fun when you're looking out and you can see all the guests arriving. And I was doing that with the bridesmaids and it was getting everyone really excited and it really adds to the drama and the tension and the adrenaline of it all. So the ceremony started and they'd got a microphone set up because it was outside and there was quite a lot of guests. And as soon as I started, I knew that this wasn't going to work. The microphone, the feedback was next level. It was just painful. And I thought, I don't want people to miss out on this genius. So as soon as the first reading had finished, bearing in mind, let's just remind you all that I'm, I'm officiating a wedding in a chateau in Belgium. The bride is from there. The groom is from Wales. So I knew that this was a pretty fancy wedding. And people in Belgium are fancy, which I learned after the ceremony when I spoke to them. So it's a fancy wedding, but I thought it would be a fun idea on off the cuff to just get rid of the microphone. So I shouted out, you know, can everyone hear me? All right, and all right in the cheap seats at the back. I didn't say that. That's what it felt like then. So then I had to basically shout for the whole ceremony. But apparently, I'm told afterwards, they could hear and it was fine and it was better without the microphone. That's one of the things that I think celebrants do, no offence, but a lot better than registrars, is they roll with the punches, you know, because the kids are going to cry, someone's going to cough just as you say I do, microphones are going to break, music's going to stall, like things are going to go wrong and you have to just sort of improv and just roll with it. So that's what we did. And it was absolutely beautiful. There was one moment where I admitted to the to their guests that they had met online. And I did know that her parents didn't know that. They told them this sort of wonderfully romantic story. They probably met in a library somewhere, you know, looking through Belgium literature. Um, but they'd read it. Like the couple knew I was going to out them. Um, but afterwards, a few of the family friends were like, oh, I'm, I'm quite surprised you admitted to that. Made me feel a bit bad, really. But, you know, I did what the couple said. Um, so afterwards, we were, they'd asked me originally to stay for the whole thing. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. But no, you know, it's, it's I'll do my bit. I'll have a, I'll have a free drink as I do. And then I'll sod off. But you never know what's going to happen after these ceremonies. Sometimes people very much treat me like the help, which is fine. And sometimes they want to be my best friend and everyone wants a little piece of me. Um, and so with this one, that's, it was the latter. And it was the family friends. There was a group of women who were best friends with the bride's mother, who were essentially my mum and her friends. Like they were all getting well stuck into the fancy champagne. They all looked beautiful. They all, it turns out, had incredibly important jobs. Basically, everyone at this wedding worked for the UN. Now, <laughs> I feel like you all know me well enough now to know that I... I'm not very intelligent. I'm not very worldly. You know, when they were like, we work for the UN, I was, uh-huh, uh-huh. And is that a cafe or a restaurant? I, I know I know what the UN stands for. I don't know what it is or what it does, but I know what it stands for. United Nations. Thank you. So they all work for the bloody UN. So a lot of them were either French or Swiss or, or English or Belgique, but they all lived there and worked there. I met the most fabulous woman who's my new best friend. I've actually emailed her since... <laughs> 
and she had a house in in Spain, I think in Switzerland or something. And then uh, she was sort of flitting here and there. And she, her husband, had done some acting, and she had she'd been a journalist for years. And they're just really interesting people, and they were interested in me, in little old me, which I found bizarre. But it was just such a wonderful environment, and everyone was so friendly and welcoming and lovely. So by the time the reception ended and I'd had several glasses of fizz, this new best friend of mine said to the groom, she can't leave, she can't leave, she's got to stay for dinner. And the bride and groom were like, well, we wanted her to, we've asked her to, but she said no. And I thought, oh, well, you know, I've had, I've had a bottle of fizz now, so yeah, I'll stay. So I stayed. I ended up sitting, the granddad couldn't make it, so I ended up sitting on the bloody family table, didn't I? I really get my feet under the rug. And you know how I feel about anything in a rug. I had the most wonderful time. It was, the whole thing was very elegant. It was understated, not even glamorous, elegant, sophisticated. The flowers were beautiful, sort of soft pastel colours, lots of lilacs. The cake was in a Lambeth style, which is, um, I'm going to do a whole episode on cake. You wait for it. And it was, it was sort of very low key but very, very well done. Very well done. The food was unbelievable. Best food I've ever had at a wedding. At least wedding-y food-like. It was, uh, I think we had like a prawn and lobster starter, with purees and foams and all that jazz. Um, it was stunning. And then we had this wonderful um, chicken dish, which was sort of a trio of something, I don't know. And then pudding was a, was a, it's laid out on a table separately. You could go and help yourself. And it was just this absolutely stunning spread of all different options. And then it got to 11 and I thought, I best go. <laughs> I'm pissed. <laughs> I thought, best go. Be be sensible, Liv. You've got to get the Eurostar back tomorrow because, you know, I'm a businesswoman. So be sensible. So the planner, who was brilliant, bless her, she um, ordered me a cab, the second world's most expensive taxi. Got back to my hotel. I I sort of anticipated that I might need a snack, so I'd already bought some foreign crisps, and they are the best, aren't they? So I was lying in bed at midnight, eating malaise, and woke up the next morning and hopped back on the Eurostar, didn't I? By the time I got to London, it was Carnival, Carnival Day, Nothing Hill Carnival Day. So it was absolutely rammed. I can't tell you. So it took an, an age to get through the city to get to Paddington to go home. And then I got home and I was greeted by Lola wearing an Elsa costume. And then the next day we flew to Spain. <laughs> I'm knackered just thinking about it. It was it was incredible. And honest, to be honest, I was exhausted for days afterwards. That much travelling and, like I said, you know, the emotional exhaustion and and the emotions and the adrenaline and the excitement and it, it it takes a lot out of you and so I was exhausted but it was worth it oh my god it was worth it I mean I'm basically I've almost booked the exact same itinerary for next year <laughs> it was incredible it made me feel wonderful and I loved every single second of it and they were all my couples were gorgeous and it was an adventure and I'll never forget it So this is the RSVP segment of the show. It's new for season two. I'm very excited about it because I want you all to be more involved with every single episode. 
So for the RSVP section, don't forget, I want you to come up with a jingle. I'm lazy. I can't be asked. Do you know what I mean? I'm a working mother, for heaven's sake. You come up with a jingle and I'll play it. Hit me with your voice notes. So we've got a message from Elizabeth. I am absolutely loving your podcast. You stop it, you tinker. It's been so helpful with reinvigorating my excitement about getting married rather than getting so bogged down in the details of wedding planning that I forget to enjoy it. Just thought I'd drop you a line to tell you I think you're fab. <laughs> if we were not getting married in a church on the opposite side of the country, I'd totally want you to be our celebrant. Also, just to share my most ridiculous wedding story, I once went to a wedding where there was a real, clear indication of what the couple had prioritised. Okay. The ceremony was on board the HMS Victory in Portsmouth Harbour and it was amazing and beautiful. The reception was upstairs in a leisure centre. Oh, no. And, <laughs> and at the same time, downstairs, there was a fancy guinea pig show going on. Stop it. You could hear them squeaking while the speeches were being given. It was a fab and crazy wedding. Oh, my God. Stop it. So, obviously, they paid an absolute fortune for the ceremony on the boat and then went to a leisure centre for the reception. <gasps> that is hilarious. Also, what does a guinea pig show involve? I don't like guinea pigs. They're just rats, really, aren't they? That is so funny. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, Elizabeth. You're absolute queen. And I don't, do you know what? I don't blame you for getting married in church. I got married in church. Well, I, you know, if you were getting married any other way, we'd have an issue. And I would travel to the opposite side of the country. Heaven's sake, I'd travel to Belgium. I don't know if you heard. Um, I hope you have a wonderful wedding whenever it is. Keep listening and tell me everything. I want to hear all about your plans. So we have got a listener's question from Claire. What's your advice for dealing with overly opinionated family members during wedding planning? Hmm. Get rid. <laughs> oh, God, it's so hard, isn't it? Literally every single wedding, every single wedding has some family drama. It's bizarre. People act crazy around weddings. I don't know what it is and I don't know why, but they do. I think it's just because they care. I hope it's because they care, not just because they're assholes. Sometimes they're both. I think when I was, when I was getting married, oh, God, I'm, do you know what? I found it really hard so last season I found it so hard the podcast not to talk about my own wedding in case in case anyone listened that I would offend sod it um in my wedding when I was planning I would struggle with people giving me their opinion basically anyone except my own mother I don't want anyone else's opinion especially if it's someone else's mother my husband's mother <laughs> don't listen I'm sorry I love you so um, and I remember saying to my mum, like, well, no, 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 I don't want to listen, I don't want to listen. And she was like, okay, you have to, because other people matter. Mm, do they? Um, and my mum said, look, you just take a deep breath internally, because if you do it outwardly, that would be awkward and obvious. Take a deep breath and just go, do you know what? That's a really good idea. I'll have a, I'll have a think on that. Thank you. Now, that's a nice way of saying it. I would be like, do you know what? I'm going to take that idea. I'm going to put it down. I'm going to I'm going to mill it over. Okay, I'm going to let it stew. I'm gonna let's, let's come back to that. Let's table that. Let's shelve that idea. I'm gonna come back to it. I'm not gonna come back to it. Your idea sucks. I don't care. Don't don't do that. I think oh god, everyone's got an opinion and they love to share it with you. And let's be 
you know, maybe naive, but let's be optimistic and think that they share it with you because they care. So do just take their opinions and just go, oh, do you know what? Thank you. Like that's, yeah, that's really helpful. I'll think about that and just sack them off. Like just ignore them. Because at the end of the day, and I will continue to say it till I'm blue in the face, at the end of the day, it is just the couple that count. Unless they're paying. <laughs> in which case, it's a whole different story. Ah. Oh. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much. Keep sending me DMs. Keep sending me questions. Keep sending me stories. I want to hear from you. That was the RSVP section. And next week, we're going to have a jingle because you're going to give it to me. And if you don't, I'll have to sing it myself. So for the heaven's sake, please help. Help a girl out. As always, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Welcome to season two. I cannot believe we're here and I am so grateful for every single one of you that listens. I do want to hear from you. I want to hear how you're getting on. If you're planning your own wedding, if you are a supplier, if you're in the industry, please get in touch. I'd love to chat. We have got some incredible interviews coming up and some wonderful stories to share with you. The season is ongoing. The excitement is just beginning. DM me on Instagram at I'll Marry You Podcast and at Not That Olivia Coleman. See you next week. I'll Marry You is a podcast by Olivia Coleman. The music is Mr. Sunnyface by Wayne Jones, and the show is produced and edited by Drew Toynbee.